They don't care about your 900 years of combined experience or your wall of books. They only want to know one thing. Once they've signed on the dotted line, are you going to take care of them? Welcome to the Judge Shaw way, where we believe providing an exceptional client experience is just as important as quality legal representation. From secret tips for creating unforgettable wow moments to proven customer service pointers, the Judge Shaw way is everything you need to go from being a good lawyer to owning a great brand. Hi, everyone. I'm Judge Shaw, host of the Judge Shaw Way podcast. A year ago, when I had the idea of hosting a podcast, the project provided a creative outlet for me, a way to immerse myself in my passion for client service. As it turned out, the podcast has been a great way to consume information and talk to amazingly talented people. Season one is focused on ways businesses develop first-class service, and this is episode 10 and the season finale. In celebrating the completion of the first season, I wanted to provide a special guest. A guest that wows. A guest that knows a little something about a guest experience. Lee Cockrell is the former executive vice president of operations for Walt Disney World. In his capacity as the senior operating executive for 10 years, Lee led a team of 40,000 employees. Disney calls them cast members. I was responsible for operations of, get this, 20 resort hotels, four theme parks, two water parks, a shopping and entertainment village, the ESPN sports and recreation complex, in addition to, I don't know, all of the ancillary operations which supported the number one vacation destination in the world. One of Lee's major and lasting legacies was the creation of Disney's Great Leader Strategies, which was used to train and develop over 7,000 leaders at Walt Disney World. Lee has held various executive positions in hospitality and entertainment business with Hilton Hotels for eight years, the Marriott Corporation for 17 years before joining Disney in 1990, and he opened the Disneyland Paris Project. Since his time with Disney, Lee's authored several books, including Creating Magic, The 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney, the book The Customer Rules, 39 Essential Rules for Delivering Sensational Service, as well as Time Management Magic and Career Magic. Lee speaks nationally on the subject of corporate leadership and now runs the Cockrell Academy, which provides courses on leadership, management, culture, and customer service. By the way, I personally joined the Cockrell Academy, and I can promise you that the critically important lessons I've learned from Lee have made a direct positive impact on my team and my bottom line. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I know I will. I'm here with Lee Cockrell of the Cockrell Academy. Welcome, Lee. Hey, Jed. How are you doing? I'm doing so great. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. So Lee, Disney World contributes, I don't know, tens of billions of dollars in revenue each year for the Walt Disney Company. And for executives like yourself that are involved in the incredible complexity to accommodate tens of millions of customers visiting every year, how do you present each guest with a memorable experience? I mean, how are the wheels not coming off at Disney when it comes to customer service? Well, I don't know if I said that to you before, but uh, we have kind of three things we do better than everybody else. And everybody else could be doing them too if they wanted to. As I tell people, we uh, we hire better. <laughs> We're really careful who we bring into the organization. Everybody can't work at Disney. There's a Disney way to do things. If you don't do them that way, it's not going to work out too good for you. We say we're interested in everybody's opinion, but don't implement them. We have a system. So that's the first thing we do. And we're very clear. We have a lot of clarity about uh, working for Disney before you join that we tell you about uh, being on time to work and attitude and, and all of those kinds of things. So, you know, that clarity up front 
Uh, solves a lot of problems because a lot of people, when they hear what it is to work at Disney and with that clarity, kind of like your mother gave you when you were a teenager, that they decide not to work for Disney and they leave. 20, 25% of the people decide not to go ahead and fill out the application after we have that conversation. And uh, that's good. Saves us a lot of problems. Then we don't need an attorney <laughs> to fight their whatever they're going to follow suit against us on. Second thing, training. We are fanatical about training, and uh, I always tell people it's kind of like your mother. All she worried about for you was safety and education, and education makes a difference. I mean, we train our people so well. We don't train them with the guests. We train them before they go out. We don't practice on our customers. We make sure they know what they're doing before we send them out there. So that that's a critical step. And last, we treat them better. And I say that's kind of the formula is hire them right, train them right, and treat them right. And it's amazing what kind of people you get, what kind of work you get, and what kind of results you get. And we we really believe that's all because we have great leaders in place that treat the people properly, that work there. Therefore, they want to take care of the guest. They don't have to. They want to. And then the guests get a great experience because of that. And, you know, money comes out the other end. <laughs> it's kind of a, yeah, I yeah. know when I read uh, in Creating Magic, not only are they going to treat the guests better, right? But with those, with that combination, they're going to take care of the business. They're taking care of the business for the owner because they care about the business in that way. Absolutely. I mean, our cast members do things that you could never put in a rule book. That's why we don't have a big rule book. We have uh, basically tell the people that work for us to take care of the guests. And they have a lot of authority financially and hopefully with common sense and good sense because we hired the right people to just take care of things. 90% of the problems guests have are at Disney World can be taken care of by a, a frontline cast member without going to hunt down a manager and because we know what those issues are going to be and they're going to happen with that many people coming in and uh, we teach them how to handle it when it happens to them personally and that they just go ahead and take care of it. And uh, people say, gosh, that costs you a lot of money. No, it saves you a lot of money actually because repeat business is everything for us. Average guest comes every three years, their whole life. And then the grandparents show up with the parents and the kids. And as I, I can assure you, grandparents pay. So uh, we love grandparents and grandkids. We get uh, Mickey likes all credit cards, you know, so we really appreciate that. You know, I think I've heard the term intentional, right? Disney is very intentional about all those items you name. Oh, absolutely. And I think in life, if you're not intentional, think you'll just do things when you kind of get around to it or when you uh, feel like it. It's like exercise. If you don't do it intentionally... <laughs> Uh, you're probably going to spend a lot of time on the couch and wake up one day not in very good shape. So we really are, you know, I think people in their personal lives, if you don't intentionally know what you're going to do this week, this month, this year, you're going to end up with the results you're not going to be happy about and regrets. And we don't want any regrets down here. And everybody's not happy every day. You know, they come in and they're not happy, but they're professional. So they do their job just like on Broadway. No matter what happened with her boyfriend, the leading lady gets on stage and does her thing. So that's how you have to think about it. You're putting on a show, just like your company. I mean, yeah. your office, you're putting on a show, how you answer the phone, how you treat people, that tone of voice, that look standing up when somebody comes in the office. It's just a show. That's all we see all day is people trying to put their best foot forward. And the ones that do a good job of that, we give them our business. And yeah, absolutely. I know that it's been said, right, is that if you're not intentional about certain things, like if you're not intentional about the culture, then you get the culture that you're unintentionally left not dealing with, right? Or the training or the outcome right. or your client's service. Sure. You'll have a culture. You just might not like it. <laughs> So, right. Uh, you know, 
In your book, The Customer Rules, you provide great insight on delivering excellent service. And the principles you outline work in companies as large as Disney and as small as a local coffee shop in Tulsa, Oklahoma, from businesses in the entertainment industry to, you know, selling a cappuccino. Why is that? How can principles of building a client service culture and delivering great customer service be the same for Walt Disney as it is for Jimmy's local coffee shop? Well, Jimmy's local coffee shop better wake up in the morning and be the place everybody wants to go. I go to a place called Coffee for the Soul. I go there every day. I spend $6 for my large latte, which is amazing. It's made with Colombian coffee. Then I today had lunch there and spent another $13 or $14. The food is amazing. The people are nice. They have great Wi-Fi. They're happy to see me. I feel comfortable there. And uh, that's what it happens. You know, excellence is a state of mind. You're either going to be great or you're going to be average. I mean, it's your decision. And uh, when you hire the right people and train them and treat them right, they will take care of your guests. I mean, we all want to, you know, we always talk about a culture where everybody matters and they know they matter. If I know I matter and you're treating me right and you're available for me and you're helping me get ahead and treating me well, uh, I'm going to take care of things for you. I'm going to do a good job. I'm not going to be thinking about anything else. And uh, it's such a simple concept. That I think people forget, you know, those days of being the boss are over. You know, I say be a teacher, be there to help people out, make them happy. So they wake up in the morning. They can't wait to get to work because it's nice and it's not drudgery. And I mean, it's a simple thing. You know, I always tell people today, be the leader, be the boss. You hope your children have when they enter the workforce, you know, and then maybe that'll make you rethink how you lead. You want your kids to have that kind of boss? Well, great. Or I tell nurses, be the nurse you hope your mother has when she's in the hospital or your daughter or your wife. And that start to put a different perspective on it. And then uh, even, you know, I, I just like that concept personally. I want my grandkids to have great leaders. And uh, that's a self-analysis. Are you as good as you think you are? And are you that kind of person? And today you better do it because people are going to walk away. They're not going to stay with you. Young people today are not like I was. You know, I'm old. <laughs> I put up with all that nonsense back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Kids today, no way. They will walk right out the door and they're very talented, but uh, they want a life and uh, they want to matter and they want to be included, involved, listened to, uh, respected. It's a different time we're living in. Yeah. Well, I know that in your past, Lee, you come from a self-described dysfunctional family, right? <laughs> your mother was, I guess, married five times, a lot of chaos. You flunked out of college. You didn't even get to college. So, but you turned out okay, right? And that's because of the attitude, right? You started, I think, in the banquet services of Hilton Hotels. And you yeah. decided, since you're a college flunk, that you better <laughs> be the best banquet service person Hilton had ever seen. And I say this because I know that when I started out from law school in my first job, listen, there were a lot of talented lawyers, some more talented and, you know, experience or educational than I had. And I realized that if my boss said to me, do me a favor, can you go grab the dry cleaning? I wasn't going to say, well, I have a law degree that's not within my role of responsibility. <laughs> I went and picked up the dry cleaning. The plastic was like perfectly situated, you know, laid. The hangers were all facing the right way. So my boss could just put it right on the rod and not have to deal with any aggravation. The receipt was still there, flattened and not crinkled. You know, I just wanted to do that the best. I went in on it with everything that I had in everything I did. And that attitude, I think, helped me lead to success. Well, I know it helps you because, you know, I never did all of the things, my being responsible and doing 
credibility and keeping my promises and working hard. I never did that for the companies I worked for. And I think people get that confused. I didn't do that for Disney. I did that for me right. and how I'm wired, whether I'm cleaning out the garage or I'm uh, <laughs> hanging around with Mickey Mouse. It's uh, it's personal. And, and unless you decide to, I didn't know I lived in a dysfunctional family that I grew up <laughs> But we always worked hard, had a good work ethic. We, you know, we were taught to do what we're supposed to do. We had to say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And we were polite. And and, uh, that's pretty much the stuff that works in any business. uh, Just to help people. Somebody put a questionnaire today and said, do you help people if you don't know them? I said, well, of course you do. I I mean, I can't even imagine that question today. And it's a state of mind. If you decide you're going to be great and you go in every day, and even if you hate your job, which I had sometimes when it was really rough, I still did it because nobody's ever going to check my reference and say, well, he didn't do his job when he was here. I always did my job. Now, I left some jobs because I didn't like it, but I did a good job right up to the minute I walked out the door. and. I don't think people understand how your reputation is who you are, and that's trust is everything. So it's it's an interesting concept. And I think some of that is growing up working, working as a teenager. My grandkids have all worked. They've all worked at Disney and other horticulture and pulling weeds, and uh, they're all 26, 23, and 21 now, and they have a great work ethic. They're doing what great in their careers, and they are now telling us how much they went to school and have jobs now with people who never had a job. And there's a difference. There's a big difference of going in, having responsibility, being on time to work, uh, working with adults. You know, I mean, experience matters and you know, you, we've got to give it to them. You said that leaders are made, not born. And in, yeah, in my experience, leaders, at least in my company, have been the ones who sort of just decide I'm going to step up. I'm going to get the job done. Whatever it takes, I'm just, I'm going to get the job done, right? And I know that from reading your work, you believe a leader must hold their team accountable for their tasks, and that's achieved by measuring outcomes. Can you provide an example of this process? Yeah, I think uh, if I'm working with somebody, uh, somebody asked me if I took on somebody that was having a hard time in their career and they weren't doing well, they got assigned to me, how would I work with them? And I said, listen, first, they and I would have a long conversation about the clarity of what my expectations were. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to lead you with empathy and discipline. So you're going to, when you're doing a good job, you're going to hear about it. When you're not, I'm, you're going to hear about it just like your mother did. I'm going to be fair and firm with you. I'm not here to have you like me. If you like me, that's a cherry on top. But fair and firm, you'll always get from me. And I think those concepts are just telling people right up front what it's going to be like and, and then following through that shame on you if somebody's not performing and you don't tell them. I mean, can you imagine your mother ever doing that? I'm sure she had some long conversations with you at different points and, and she was fair. She was firm. She told you she loved you and then she kicked your butt and then she told you she loved you before you went to school and she, she kicked it again because mothers know that it's about the outcome. It's not about the uh, daily, uh, you know, be my friend. You wouldn't be where you are today unless you had some good structure and you're, I mean, unlikely you would, or you might be a mean lawyer instead of one with empathy and discipline, because that's how life works. Sometimes you need empathy. Sometimes you need discipline. And uh, you got to decide when to use them and use them in a balanced way and make sure people understand that's how you work. My mother was always very clear about how things work around here. Clarity is a wonderful thing. It it keeps people from having misunderstanding. Clarity. People don't like to be clear because it's hard. People don't like to do hard things, by the way, because they're hard. They're uncomfortable. 
I was like that when I first started my career. I didn't know how to fire somebody or to sit down and talk to them about their performance. I had no idea. And so I got, I let a lot of things go that I should have dealt with back then. And one day my boss said to me, Lee, if you don't deal with that guy, it works for you. I'm going to deal with you. (laughs) And that kind of clarified my uh, responsibility. I took the job, but I wasn't doing the job. I was doing the parts that were nice, you know, (laughs) like, kind of liked. And we all avoid it. It's like every day we avoid things we don't like. We don't have hard conversations. We don't exercise. We, We have a hard thing to do and we put it off and put it off. We don't go to the doctor when we should and put it off. And then bad things happen later. I think the one thing everybody needs to learn is make a list of the hard things you've been putting off for years and start working on them next week and make, get them out of your life. And it could be your wife. It could be your husband. It could be uh, your health. It could be your job. It could be, it could be any, what are you not happy about? What are you going to do about it? And that's where I had, I really came around eventually uh, understanding the difference between a job and having a responsibility for people, people, not you know, the, the rides at Disney are never a problem. It's only the people, <laughs> you know, yeah. people say, I want to be a manager. I say, are you crazy? You want to run your life? <laughs> I mean, you're going to deal with people all day. You got to know what you're getting into. It's kind of like having kids. You better know what you're getting into. Those are some great ingredients on, on leadership. And I know, you know, at our company, we started what we would refer to as redline meetings. And those redline meetings were creating accountability, clarity, but also a way we held people's feet to the fire, right? That this is something that's sitting there and it's hit the red line, meaning it's gone over, you know, for instance, a certain amount of time it's sitting on somebody's desk. And we need to reduce that because that reduces the financial life cycle of that case. But, you know, something has to be done and that thing is not fun and it's a pain in the butt and it's, you know, uh, there's a lot of other low hanging fruit that could be done today and and I don't have to deal with that thing, right? That thing sits on a desk another day. So, you know, we've done it through red lines and and those mean, okay, now you can no longer put that off. It is now in the red line. Clarity with due dates is... I love checklists, I love due dates, and I like clarity. (laughs) What would you say, Lee, are the key ingredients to providing consistent, efficient, creative, and honest customer service? Yeah, I think uh, just keep uh, in mind that everything you want people to be doing in your company is stay focused on the client, on the customer. What, you know, new policy, is this going to make our customers feel better about us and come back or leave us? Uh, Pricing, efficiency, reputation. I mean, you know, at Disney, every decision we make, we have to judge it by, is this going to make the customer happy? What's this going to do with the people who work there, employees, cast members? And what's it going to do to the bottom line? And we call that the three-legged stool. You got to think about those three things. And hopefully, then you just make the best decision you can, because it doesn't matter which decision you make, you're going to make somebody unhappy. And uh, it's one of those dilemmas. Uh, We got to keep the guest happy, the cast happy, and the bottom line happy. And uh, so you we have a lot of discussion about it. We ask everybody, we get people involved. We try to understand what could go wrong. What would we do if it did? And before we step into a big decision, it's going to affect those three things. We have a lot of uh, experts helping us think about it because uh, that's what kept my career going. You know, let me tell you what, I had a team that often told me, Lee, that's the wrong direction. Uh, we shouldn't do that. You're going down the wrong road. And I had the relationship with them and I agreed, you know, okay, thank you. I mean, 
lot of leaders have people who are won't tell them. You know, in court, isn't it against the law to withhold the truth? <laughs> you know, and uh, in business, employees do it every day. We always say, you know, your employees and your clients know everything you need to know. Now, if you can get it out of them, then you're going to have more cases. You're going to have more a better attitude. You're going to have better results, a better reputation. You're literally your employees know things they're not telling you. That's all because sometimes we have a reputation of, you know, is is he in a good mood today? <laughs> you should never have that reputation. I'm always in a good mood. Come tell me. Keep me out of trouble. Uh, don't let right. me get down the path. And to get in trouble today is uh, somebody's sitting alone and not listening. And, or you haven't hired the right people and you haven't trained them. You don't have the talent around you to advise you. That's why people get a lawyer, isn't it? Yeah. Don't we always say, don't defend yourself? <laughs> you know, right. Right. And you should make sure you're getting input. And there's plenty of input out there. I mean, I'm telling you today, if you got a big decision to make, you can just post it on the internet. And you'll get a thousand suggestions. Right. And right. you'll find you'll find a trend of, oh, right. I never never thought of that. Yeah. It's, it's part of creating that culture, though, right? With your frontline team and your management to come to the table with ideas, concerns, issues, bottlenecks. You know, don't be afraid to put them out there. But the company has to be prepared to, you know, act in some way so that, you know, team members know that that's encouraged that, you know, that you want to hear from them. And it takes time, by the way, you get, you're not going to tell you right away. It may take a year or two to get people to say, okay, he's a good guy. Nobody, he didn't bite anybody this week. And everybody's talking about you behind your back in a positive way. The word is out there. People have, you know, and if I have a reputation, I probably deserve it. Hopefully it's a good one though. And, uh, Every day you have to demonstrate that you're open and you're respectful and everybody counts and everybody matters and uh, not be looking down on people and having these invisible people. You know, the guy cleans the bathrooms. He's talking about you (laughs) and uh, cafeteria people and the the security guard at the front door. Everybody matters. And when you get that, you start to get the right input. And I wrote in one of my books, when you when you become a big deal, don't don't start thinking you're a big deal. That's the beginning of the end. (laughs) You're no big deal. My wife reminds me of that all the time. And uh, you can start to think you're a big deal because you're successful and people, you know, lead car around Disney World. Yeah, really? Not really. I I just had a team around me. It kept me out of trouble. I didn't run anything. I didn't know what was going on half the time. And like you, there's cases. You don't know what's going on with your cases. But if you got a group great team, they're going to keep you informed and coming out. Is this this a good way to go? And I'm sure you guys have meetings about every case and talk about the do and don'ts and change our mind. And that's just normal. I'm not sure most organizations do that at all, actually. You You've said that outstanding leadership is the kind that inspires employees, right? Delights customers, achieves extraordinary results. What are some of the ways that a company can identify its future leaders within their organization, cultivate them, foster their growth? I mean, after all, these are like the hidden great leaders are pearls for a company, right? They are. And about 95% of all leaders from Disney come from within. You know, we have 75,000 people in Orlando. So there's their potentials there. About 40,000 have bachelor's degrees or master's or whatever. And they like working there. And we get a good look at them because they're in hourly positions. We get a good look at their attitude. We get a look at their reliability. We get a look at their common sense, decision making. But I think for them, 
you also got to make sure you know them and you let them know you. You got to know what their aspirations are. You got to talk. You got to know. Ask them. Shame on you if you got a bunch of people working for you and you don't know their aspirations, what they're trying to achieve, what they want to achieve. So you get them in the right training. You give them the right opportunity. Uh, you get them in the right interview. You get them in the right courses to improve whatever they need to improve in. You know, if I care about you, you'll care about me. And that's uh I think that's one of the good sayings. People won't be committed to you unless they're sure you're committed to them. And you got to show that in a lot of ways. And uh, being available for somebody when you're busy and want to go home at five and they got an issue and they want to see you. Well, you better figure out how to see them <laughs> instead of say uh, the problem they have may be gigantic in their mind and nothing in yours. But uh, that's how people uh, decide who we are. Nobody cares what we do. They care who we are, <laughs> you know. And uh, I think about that a lot. Who do I want to, you know, what? I talk a lot about legacy recently. You know, the only thing you can take with you and leave behind is your legacy. And uh, are you going to be proud of it? Are your grandkids going to talk about you in a nice way or say, boy, what a jerk he was. We read about him on the internet and that was our grandfather. And no, I mean, I've got relatives. I don't want anybody to know they're my relatives. So uh, I hope to leave a, my grandkids are going to be really upset when I die because I work with them. I talk to them. I spend time with them. I, I review their social sites to make sure they're not being stupid. And uh, I'm involved. We have good conversations and we have difficult conversations as they were growing up. And uh, you got to go all in, I think, if you want to be a leader or a parent. You know, it's not easy. It's like exercise. There's competition with the couch. <laughs> You can lay on the couch, you can work out. I mean, right there you are. I mean, everything we do has a, you can go either way. I can stay and see you because you got a problem or I can go home. I love that quote. It says, you're not a product of your circumstances. You're a product of your decisions. All of a sudden you're 50 years old. You're where you are because of all those decisions you made. Hundreds yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of stuff I think about a lot. Am I making the right decisions? I don't want to end up in the front news newspaper. I don't want to be on the internet for sexual harassment. I don't want to be on, you know, getting a DUI. Even lawyers do that, you know. Lee, I've loved the books. I've read them. They have been proven to be very helpful, particularly when we're talking about, I think, training. I can't create for my team attitude. I can encourage attitude. And I can foster positive attitude. But really the attitude is I either come to work because I can pursue my passion and my purpose and feel good about it, put a good day's work in. And at the end of the day, care about the job I did or not, right? And I guess for a company, I got to try to weed those out that don't care at the end of the day, which affect all those who really are working hard and trying to build something, right? Their own legacy and their own professional career and personal development. So I think attitude is a big part. But in reading those books, why don't you just tell us, I've read them, I can, but I certainly think the listeners much rather hear you. Just maybe a summary on, on those books. Yeah. And what you just said about hiring is you don't need to get rid of people if you're getting better at hiring them. <laughs> And uh, really, we think about hiring people who have a good attitude. And part of that attitude is they have the ability to overcome obstacles every day from a guest that's mad to getting to work on time to overcoming obstacles. That's all we all do every day. And uh, you got to there's some good ways out there to learn how to do that. We work with a lady, Carol Quinn, who has really got a profiling system to ask you five or six questions to see how you overcome obstacles in your life and have. And that when I think about that, uh, we know the people 
people that can't, boy, they, you have to get involved personally too often because they can't do it or won't do it or won't finish it. But my books, uh, the first one was Creating Magic, Tim Kent, Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney. It's, I think, a great book. It's in uh, 22 languages now. We've sold 650,000 copies so far. It's selling at the same pace it always has for the last 15 years. We've now got a workbook that goes with it for people in the Cockrell Academy. We created uh, college courses, just did the first one for the University of Northern Arizona the, on the books. And we're creating more college courses because students today want more reality instead of theory. Uh, they want to know how you do it. How do you hire someone? How do you fire somebody? How do you have a hard conversation? How do you, how do you, how do you? That's becoming very popular because we're able to just lay it out there because we've had the experience. My son and his wife and all three of us worked for Disney for years. So that's one. The second one is uh, the customer rules, which is really simple rules of things you can do that you probably haven't thought about that don't cost anything and you can implement in your business. And most people say to me, wow, I never thought of that. Sure, we can do that in our business. We can you know, so those rules are very easy. The chapters are short and sweet. Uh, you can read them in any order and you can then ask yourself, are we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? Couldn't we do this? And the uh, third one is time management magic, which I think is the biggest problem people have in the world today. Everything's coming at you. You've got a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression today. People are having trouble handling everything coming at them, their kids, their soccer game, their income, their retirement, uh, unit health care. And how do you keep up with everything? And this book, I tell you, I took this course 35 years ago and it changed my direction. Of It's not about time management. It's how do you keep your whole life under control, not just your job or not, you know, a lot of people got their job under control and they're not married anymore. And uh, or they got kids that are in all kinds of trouble and problems. And so it gives perspective on that. And the last one is Career Magic, which I'm redoing right now as a second edition. And it's about how to deal with these obstacles as they come to you in your life. Business, home, personal, kids, uh, that uh, getting people to understand that uh, they are going to come. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. And uh, they're going to come up and how you should think about dealing with them and not overreact. And it could be your fault you get fired. It may not be your fault. It could be your fault that you got a boss that's a jerk because you didn't check it out before you went there. It may not be your fault, but you're going to find yourself in these situations. And I think people need to prepare themselves for that, not thinking they're going to come sailing out of school and life's just going to be happy and everybody's going to love them. And uh, things happen and they happen. I just met with a guy yesterday who, gosh, I just, he's great. And he's, Adopted two kids years ago from Ethiopia and has two other kids and life's great. It was perfect. And I said, how are you doing? He said, we got a divorce. I went, what? <laughs> you know, I was going like, whoa. And I, I didn't get into why, but how do you keep your life under control? And you got to be knowing what on purpose, as you spoke about earlier, what you would need to be doing and are you spending enough time on it? Uh, that's why I look at my day planner every day. You know, do I plan enough time on the things, my retirement, spending time with my grandkids, paying attention to my wife, your health, making sure, I mean, the health, that's one I really pound hard on people. Let me tell you what, something can happen when you don't go to the doctor and four years later you do. And he said, what, you know, you should have been in here. You haven't been here for four years. We could have done something about this. And they start to get that focus on taking care of yourself because if you don't feel well, I've determined that's the number one reason people procrastinate. They don't feel well mentally or physically. And the day it just gets away from you. You know, I don't feel good today. I drank too much. I ate too much. I ate too late. I, uh, I didn't sleep well. I'm having an argument with my wife. I'm stressed out about my kids in college. And all of a sudden, you don't get anything done. And then it deletes to anxiety. And we got a big problem right now in this around the world. People suffer from anxiety. And I'm sure you got them in your company. You may not even know it. 
but it, they need help. They need to be recognized and we need to, uh, because that's a, you talk about a productivity loser. It's when you ang- have anxiety, you don't think about anything. You don't do anything very well, actually. The world is pretty demanding now. Everybody wants it. They want it now. They want it faster. And I'm sure you know that in your life, you know, when do people want to see their attorney now? <laughs> and when they want to see their doctor now, and they want their, they want to see Mickey Mouse now <laughs> and Cinderella. And people are, have a short fuse today. And so you got to be organized and got your act together and start to really understand the emotional part of your life, not just uh, technically knowing how to do your job. And I'm sure you've got a lot of examples of lawyers. You know, during the recession, I see a psychiatrist because I went through anxiety with my wife when she almost died a few years ago. And I still see him. And he told me his number one customer were lawyers during the recession, lost their jobs, had a house with five cars and 14 TVs and three kids in Harvard. And they were now having to take clerk jobs because a lot people lost their jobs. And so, you get, <laughs> you know, you think, oh, professional lawyers, don't, they don't have any problems. Everybody has an issue. And you got to make sure you don't get yourself backed into a situation where you can't uh, climb out of it. I stay enough in cash that the market can do whatever it needs to do because <laughs> well, I can sleep better. I think what you're talking about, Lee, is sort of like, you know, similarities between the commonalities of all companies too, right? We all have to make a profit. We all face serious issues. We all have to please a client or a customer. We all have to, you know, create positive work environment, great leadership to scale and grow. So these are the commonalities of it. And also what I read or my experience from reading your books was there's sort of like this 360 approach to your books, right? Which is one is, at least for me, it was one and how I can be a better leader for the company. One is how do I make the client or customer be better satisfied with their level of service? So, you know, the customer rules to me was all about client satisfaction, client service. Creating magic was really about the leadership part of it. Time management. Well, you know, as much as I thought that I can't keep up with all my emails and, you know, meetings and calls and whatever, I I don't really know with 20 hotels and four theme parks and two water parks and 40,000 cast members and Mickey and Minnie running around how you managed to do it. But I think time management gave me a good insight on how you did that and sort of how I can apply it to my own life, both personally and professionally. And then lastly, you know, when you talk about career magic, it's to the person. It's where I want to be and how do I want to self-improve? So I think all four books really provide that 360 sort of in-person's professional life. Absolutely. I think that's right. And I think if you can consume those and then implement, you know, the key is don't just read them. You got to really start hopefully taking a lot of notes to go along. What are you going to do different tomorrow? (laughs) You know, I mean, that's for everybody. Uh, The biggest problem is follow through. You know, I've enjoyed the Cockerell Academy. It seems to put all four books into that sort of space, right? So I can come to a place where I can talk to colleagues and peers in various industries and learn how they're doing things on self-improvement and time management and leadership. Can you tell us a little about the Cockerell Academy? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I always wanted to do it. I always thought I had a lot of content. I had great jobs with Hilton, Marriott, and Disney, and big, great, successful companies. I worked my way up from the bottom, so I knew all the levels, what the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I always kept putting it off. And then the recession or the uh, pandemic showed up. So 
I didn't have an excuse anymore because I had nothing to do. <laughs> I had no speeches, no planes, no nothing. And so Jody Mayberry, a guy I work with on my podcast, uh, we said, Look, why don't we get this thing done? And we started recording and we just got at it and we did it every day, week after week after week. And we got the first course and then the second course done and the third course and fourth. And now it's up to eight courses. And there's a steady flow of other things, little five minute videos on something you might be working on. And we started the Main Street League a little newsletter to kind of give you people uh, every month they remember that they should be doing certain things. Like right now is a good time to be showing a lot of appreciation to your whole staff and team during these holidays when people are even more stressed out. As we say in there today or tomorrow, make sure you pick out two or three people and make their day by saying to them how happy you are there on your team. And they go home and tell their wife about that and you, they sleep better and you've done a good thing. And I think we need to be have those reminders. Somebody said, well, how can you do all this with technology today and people are working from home and all. I said, listen, I called my mother every Sunday, even though I lived all over the world. And I called my grandmother every Sunday and they made them the happiest people in the neighborhood because it didn't matter if it was me there. It was me calling them and having a conversation with them and they look forward to it every week. And I know, I mean, it, if you want to do it, you'll do it. And, uh, you got to put it in that little day timer to call Mary and tell her, how you doing over there? I know you're working from home. We miss you here. Uh, you're doing a great work. I hope you stay with us. You've just made her day. I mean, you, in three minutes, you've gotten productivity up 25%. And probably uh, unlikely she'll leave the company. <laughs> and she, I mean, it's just, we all want to matter. That's the problem. I would tell you the most satisfaction I get today is when I hear from somebody saying, thanks a lot for spending that time with me. Thank you a lot. I get comments. People write me and say, thanks for those books. They made me, they changed my career. I never thought of that stuff. Uh, nobody ever talked about leadership. I thought you just got a job and you got it done and <laughs> and perspective, uh, you know, getting new perspective. And I think encouraging people to read more and to look at those new ideas and the internet with the Google today, you have no excuse for not knowing something you need to know. If you don't know something and five minutes later, you don't know that's because you didn't go check it out. And, uh, I even looked up volcanoes this morning because I want to know more about volcanoes. I said, I know what they are, but I want a more deeper. How are, what the hell's going on down there? <laughs> So, right. well, well, then when I Googled Main Street Leader, actually, it, it sort of like went backwards. I've read your newsletter through the Cockrell Academy, and then I found that name and I picked up on it by trailing backwards through Google that there was an actual newsletter at the Walt Disney World that you would put out every Friday. Yeah. And it was like the happenings to your 40,000 cast members, I think being some transparency, letting them know projects, updates. And in fact, upon retirement, your name somewhere, although I haven't seen it, I'll be on the lookout. <laughs> your name somewhere appears on the actual Main Street today in Walt Disney World. True or not true? It's true. I have a window above the, the watch shop right on Main Street. That's surprised me. I got that. Most people don't get it unless they've been there 25 years, but they gave me one of those. And it's supposed to mean you did a good job and <laughs> you made a difference. The Main Street Diary was that newsletter, and I did it every Friday for, I think we had 250 episodes by the time I left. I, it was just congratulating people, giving people new ideas, how to take care of a customer, just a lot of encouragement, recognition, appreciation, and people need that. It's, you know, people say, what is business? I said, the key ingredient 
in a company is leadership. It's like the yeast and bread. If you don't put it in there, you're not going to come out very good. And it's leadership and reminding people are people and, and uh, they need it. I mean, we all thrive on it. You know, that's why we tell our kids every time we see them, we love them and great they are. Yeah. It's like uh, we have to have it. Well, um, I'd like to think, Lee, that you made an impact uh, on Disney. I know you certainly are in my <laughs> field right now and a lot of the stuff that I'm taking back to my own company. Uh, how does somebody, Lee, get in touch with you or the Cockrell Academy? Yeah, I make it pretty easy because I'm getting old. I don't want to forget where everything is. So it's at my website, leecockerel.com. And uh, there's also a cockerelacademy.com. But if you go to leecockerel.com, the Cockerel Academy's on there. The, the Main Street Leaders information's on there. Spe- everything I do is on there. The books, uh, the courses, everything we do in one place. Well, Lee, thanks so much for coming on. I, I appreciate it. If anybody certainly wants to reach out to me on more of my experience with the Cockroach Academy, always happy to talk about it. It's, again, been been great. And I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and spending the, the time to share some of this insight and, and summaries on what's out there for others to learn, grasp, and grow with. And you need to get the Shaw Academy up for your team. That's right. That's right. Well, you know what I did start uh, is what we call in our firm, the Judge Shaw University, JSU. And a lot of that, Lee, comes from the kind of things that I learned from you and, you know, different events. And we'll do a training episode on how to show empathy. We'll do a training on emotional intelligence and awareness. And and we do that. So we do actually have JSU and reward our team for joining those things. But, you know, I can't tell you enough that the content that you provide through your books and the academy been a big part of JSU. So thank you so much for just your mentoring and your generosity and your in your time and your knowledge. That's good to hear. Thank you so much. You guys have a good holiday out there and behave yourselves. You too, Lee. Thank you so much. And everybody, thank you so much for uh, an unbelievable season. Appreciate your staying with me for the year. We're going to come back with season two in 2022, another 10 episodes. And of course, if you want to reach me, uh, you can email me at judd at judshawinjurylaw.com or podcast at judshawinjurylaw.com. And of course, if you want to email me personally, request some swag from my company and we'll love to send you some merch from the firm. Anyway, thank you very much. And Lee, thanks so much. Happy holidays, everybody. Take care. Good to see you. Are you ready to take the next step to creating an unforgettable brand? Subscribe to The Judge Shaw Way in your favorite podcast app and join the conversation on social media at Judge Shaw Injury Law. Have topic suggestions or questions? Email us at podcast at judshawinjurylaw.com and be sure to include an address where we can send you some cool swag. Attorney Advertising Materials. This podcast is designed for general information purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as legal advice for an individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create, and viewing does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No aspect of this advertisement has been approved by the Supreme Court. Any results set forth herein are based upon the facts of that particular case and do not represent a promise or guarantee. Those with legal questions should seek the advice of an attorney.